South Fires. Kenny Vaccaro is a former All-American safety at the University of Texas, eight-year NFL vet, as well as the co-founder and CEO of G1, aka Gamers First, Austin's first esports organization. He's also taking part in an intriguing panel discussion at South by Southwest this year titled Gamers, the new icons of pop culture and fashion. It's this Saturday, mm-hmm. March 12th from 1130 to 1230 p.m. Central Time. Go to SXSW.com to find out more info on that. Kenny, thank you so much for the time. How you doing today, man? Good, man. It's been a good morning. Um, just here in the office right now, about to get to work, so. Same old, same old. <clears throat> what does the workday consist of for you? Obviously, you are the CEO of Austin's first uh, eSports organization. I'm assuming that you get to play a little bit of video games, but it's probably not <laughs> all that glamorous, is it? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll try to stream every day just to kind of keep that, you know, forward-facing type of CEO persona going on. But, um, you know, I mean, my, my day consists of, you know, get to the gym, uh, the collective we're attached to another uh, a gym that I own, I get a workout in, try to get a cold tub, sauna, come upstairs, you know, have meetings with my, my partners. Right now, it's just a, a team of three of us. We're actually bringing on the CEO of Collective, Devin, to help with sponsorships. But right now, it's been, you know, we're, we're about to do a merch drop. Um, we got a professional Halo team right now. I'm in every single, we're in every single one of those meetings, you know, talking to those guys, getting to know our, t- our players. Um, no, nah, it's been a hell of a ride already, man. It's it's definitely kept me busy. Um, and honestly, it's kept me from like really, really missing football. So it's 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 a it's a pretty good feeling, honestly. <clears throat> you know, that is something interesting in speaking with a variety of pro athletes and also reading about their journeys. A lot of people, men and women, struggle to deal with the void that comes from spending so much effort and time really going back to high school and maybe even before that to make sure that you're in a peak mental and physical condition to excel at that sport. And when it's gone, so is that sense of being that sense of livelihood, but that doesn't seem to be the case with you right now. What is the Genesis story of you and your co-founders launching gamers first and how much easier did it make retiring from football versus uh, some of your colleagues that, uh, that you've known and you've seen them struggle over the years? Well, we, we officially started Gamers First back in 2019. Um, I was with the Titans. We made a huge playoff run. You know, we, we beat the Baltimore Ravens when we were, like, I think 15-point underdogs, and then we ended up making all the way to the AFC Championship. Ended up losing to all-world Chiefs that year. But um, honestly, man, this year, um, I kind of knew if we wanted to move G1 forward and we wanted to excel and I wanted the company to take off, I needed to to put as much energy as I do in football into the org, right? Um, as a CEO, and I just I made a conscious decision that like, hey, I might be you know giving up a couple million dollar contracts with teams that wanted to like bring me in and start, but at the same time we got an opportunity here to just kind of do it my way, right? I don't want to I didn't ever want to crawl off the field, you know I've been a banger my whole my whole career as as a lot of people know very physical, um, the body starts to hurt after you know eight years. Um, especially when I've been playing safety my whole life and I've been, you know, kind of giving it my all and kind of throwing my body around for, I don't know, 15 years. Like it's whatever that, I mean, college, so what, 12 years and then uh, eight more in the league. So, I mean, it was, it was kind of an easy decision for me. I mean, we had a group of investors come in and want to get involved in my company and, you know, here we are. So for people who are unfamiliar, what exactly is G1? 
So Gamers First, um, it kind of came along when I was, I was visiting Bungie, and uh, they asked me, like, why, why is the NFL player here? This was a couple years back. And I was like, I, I, I was a gamer before anything. I was like, I was, I was a gamer first. And then we hadn't, ha we hadn't created the org at the time, but that's kind of when the name originated, right? It, it got in my head. And then obviously, short, sh short answer for, uh, version of it is G1. Um, and it's, and I guess it's, 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 it's stating that, like, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, a radio host, a doctor, you know, you could be a, a, a nurse, anything, right? Uh, at pro athlete. At the end of the day, a lot, a lot of times people are gaming, like, and they enjoy it, right? Like, you see a lot of players now that are really into video games and all walks of life. I've met some of my best friends through gaming to this day. Actually, two of, the, two of my founders, two of our, our owners, I met through gaming, right? And then we, we create a company together. And there's lots of stories like that all across, you know, the world. But um, for me, it was just kind of putting the player, player first, taking what I learned from the NFL and putting all that energy into G1. Did it surprise you guys at all as you were considering where you were going to locate this business that a town like Austin, which is obviously so tech savvy and has had so mm -hmm. many different technology companies uh, come in over the last 10 to 20 years now, that they lacked that esports organization? I'm assuming that as soon as you realized that, you jumped all over making sure that Austin was home and that you guys could call yourselves the first. Yeah, I mean, Austin's always going to be home for me. I mean, as soon as I've always came back every offseason. Um, before it blew up, I was still in Austin, right? Like everybody's all excited. It's like the number <laughs> one city in America. It seems like now traffic's crazy, but it was just the perfect spot. And you know, like our, our location right now, we're building out the facility is literally right above uh, a gym that I'm part owner in the collective really successful social performance club. And I can, I have access to all those things that I want to do with the gamers. I can take them right downstairs and get PT. I can, uh, they can get a workout in, they can get in the sauna, they can get in the cold tub, they can, you know, talk to our mental coach, mental health coach. I mean, there's just endless possibilities with the health and wellness space in esports. And that's kind of the, the angle that we're trying to excel in when it comes to gaming, right? Because a lot of people don't think of it that way. They kind of think of guys that are, you know, sit on their ass all day, excuse my language, lazy, um, and play video games. It had, it's, it's had, a, it's had a, a reputation for so long of being just kind of, I don't know, frowned upon but i think people are really starting to see that 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 perception is changing and uh that really is the theme of your panel discussion at this year's south by southwest before we get into some of the specifics there just how excited are you uh to really get to spread the word on gamers first and also gaming in general at what is one of the premier interactive festivals on the planet kenny i'm excited man because it's been i think either one or two years because of COVID since everybody's came together. South by Southwest has been a huge tradition in Austin, a huge tradition in Texas really for a long, long time. It's one of the few festivals that kind of brings people from all over the country into Austin, get to see our city. And I'm glad it's this year because the city's changed so much. Um, no, it's definitely, it's definitely a blessing to be on that, that panel. I mean, I'm going to be with, you know, LG, my buddy from KC Pioneers. They're sending in people from FaZe Clan, which is, you know, they just IPO'd at a billion dollars probably the number one org in the world and just being up there talking with those guys and people even wanting to listen to me that's kind of a surreal feeling about something other than football right um i, I guess it kind of shows that athletes can do two different things they don't have to be in a box you can excel in different areas 
No question about that. And South by was also one of the first festivals to not just acknowledge that uh, gaming was gaining increased importance mm -hmm. in society. I mean, they uh, literally had a gaming portion of the festival going back five or six years too. So uh, they, they, yep. they clearly mm -hmm. have understood that. Now they have a gaming awards that happens. that really kicks the festival off and make sure to include panel discussions on various subjects matter uh, subject matters as well. Uh, I am curious, but, because of the title gamers the new icons of pop culture and fashion uh obviously uh these guys uh, and gals are acquiring some serious wealth and fame in the process yeah. someone like you who obviously gained notoriety on the football field here at ut also yeah. as a professional player for the saints and titans is the notoriety that you gain from gaming more enjoyable for you and if so why um i would say like I've never really been in it for that. Um, it is a little different, though. Like, just because a lot of people know me as Kenny Bacar, the athlete, you got to kind of earn it in the gaming community, right? Like, I can stream, and not that many people will even care to watch, but if I was talking football, like, one of my first streams, I did a live stream of Elite Week down here in Austin when I was still playing, you know, Derwin James, there, Earl Thomas, Jalen Ramsey, and three, 400 people tuned in. I didn't even have any followers. Well, now I have, like, five, 6,000 followers, which isn't a lot because I just kind of started streaming consistently. When I stream games, like a few people will be in there, right? Like people, it's hard to break that that wall, right? Uh, you got to earn it in the gaming community, and I and I take that as a challenge, right? Um, obviously, it's getting bigger and bigger, but at the same time, um, no, it's just a whole. It's a completely different vibe. The gaming community's tight knit. They'll they'll smell they'll smell a fraud real quick. So you got to like be authentic, uh, be vulnerable, and then you'll have success. You know, it's funny you said about the new icons. If you ask my six year old son, like. Who he'd rather meet like Nick Merckx or Tom Brady dude he might say Nick Merckx like just because a streamer like he like you get what I'm saying like it's getting every single morning I get up um get my kids ready for school and he has some type of streamer playing on YouTube constantly I mean they watch football too but it's shifting a little bit you'd be surprised if you ask our youth who they look up to most a lot of times it's going to be a streamer it's it's getting crazy so, so the title of this session is Gamers, the New Icons of Pop Culture and Fashion. I get the pop culture uh, element of that equation. Yeah. Uh, fashion? How are gamers uh, having such heavy influence on fashion now? Uh, as far as fashion goes, I mean, kids, kids in Call of Duty um, is starting to get better in Halo. They've always, because with gaming, right, it's not like a, uh, you put pads on, right, in a jersey. You can kind of swag out a little bit, like, on stage, right? Obviously, you'll wear your, your team jersey over a nice hoodie, some sweet, you know, pants, skinny jean pants maybe, some, some Yeezys. Um, the kids like to swag out, like, while they compete, right? Um, and, and, and the gaming community is probably the biggest, you know, advocate of the hype beast, you know, StockX, getting all the cool stuff. Like, they, they drive that community. The gamers do, really. Um, and that's where the fashion piece comes in. <clears throat> interesting i wanted to get back to uh the self-care that you talked about a little bit earlier now is the collective is that uh what i've seen jeremy hills as a part yeah. of as well okay yeah uh, me me jeremy and devin Lowe, max dimmer i mean i'm one of the i was why the first guy that brought in like as an investor partner i help here every day but i put the g1 facility right next to the collective like we're upstairs 
Gotcha. I'm uh, I'm familiar with Jeremy. He's joined the show uh, yep. on more than one occasion in the past. Uh, really good people. Yep. And it's cool that you guys are making these efforts to ensure that dudes not only have a place to go to train, but also to recover as well. And I, yep. that has to be one of those things for a lot of you guys where you've seen veterans in the past who have a hard time moving around because once they're done with football, that's it. They stop uh, keeping themselves in peak physical condition and they haven't had access to some of these other things, the saunas, the cold tubs, cryotherapy, uh, compression pants, Theraguns, things like that, that is at our disposal now. So how cool is it to, uh, to get to help other dudes out, younger guys, guys that are around your age, guys that you maybe even played uh, with at UT who weren't able to continue things in a professional capacity to make sure uh, that they are their best physical and mental versions of themselves going forward. No, it's definitely a blessing. I'm actually going to be at Pro Day later today. I was training a guy, Rashawn Thornton. Thornton. Um, he just hit me up. He's like, hey, man, can you help me? So, like, we got at least four or five training sessions in. I mean, he's a guy that can rush off the ball, but I'm trying to, like, show that he can be an off-the-ball backer because he's that athletic. Mm-hmm. And uh, just training him every day, kind of guiding him, um, you know, I, he didn't even, like, we had never met before. He just walked upstairs while I was doing one of my streams. Like, hey, man, can you, can you help me out? I was like, yeah, sure, man. So wow. We met at the bubble over there at Texas. Um, we got four workouts in. The kid's, man, so athletic. Like, he says he doesn't have that much tape, but he's going to have a chance. Because I've met, like, I play with a lot of great players. And a guy his size and that athletic, like, they'll find a place for you. But that's just an example of, like, the cool things I get to do. And I find it just as, as rewarding doing that, then, you know, training myself and meet myself getting better. Right. I kind of, you kind of reap a little bit of the benefits when you see a guy that you work with, um, that trusts you when he goes out and does well, um, it makes you happy. Right. It makes you feel good. Um, so I'm excited to watch him today, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's one of the perks of being a, being able to be right upstairs from the collective guys will walk up and be like, Hey, if you're not, when, if you get a chance uh, to take a break from gaming, come train me on the football field. So it's been it's been a fun ride man <laughs> considering that jeremy's been crushing the training game for a while have you uh yeah. turned to him to ask a question here or there you know he kind of gives he kind of knows that i i mean i've been in it like it's yeah. football drills right Jeremy's yeah. more strength strength and conditioning explosive based but and he knows football obviously but i mean i've been doing it for a long time and jeremy knows that he knows i've been around some of the best coaches that ever been you know that ever been in this game the game um and what i've learned is you know I didn't have to go to kinesiology or training, you know, training school or any of that. Like everything I've known is came from coaches at a high level. So he just says, you know, he kind of takes tips from me sometimes as far as football drills. Hmm. Interesting. So I wanted to get back to something that you talked about a little bit earlier with regards to handling the day-to-day operations for gamers yeah. first. That includes bringing new members of the Halo team aboard. So you're you're essentially having to find people who can serve yeah. as your professional gamers to help you win these various competitions. What is that, uh, that interview process like as you are looking to find <laughs> that next great gamer? It's been crazy. Obviously, with our team, we've made our CFO, uh, Cody Hendricks, we've made way too many changes because we're trying to find the perfect four people that fit together, you know, have a common goal to win a championship. I know that sounds so cliche, but <laughs> the same things that happen in Sports are the same things in gaming. Guys have egos. Guys um, don't want to listen. They're they're uncoachable. Um, and then you got to make a team change. Like I'm in these meetings and I'm like, man, it feels like I'm at the combine, you know, 2012, 2013, all again, like trying to talk to guys, get a feel for them. Um, but it's the same process, man. Like trying to trying to 
bring together four guys that can mesh well. That's probably the most important thing I've learned in gaming as far as competitive gaming. It's everybody can shoot, right? Just like everybody can run fast and jump high in the NFL. But the guys that have the IQ and that can, and that can put you know, the team um, over themselves, those are the guys that fit together. And at finding that this first year for me, it's been a process, man. Like it's, it hasn't been like a sweet, wonderful story. I mean, I think our team right now is going to be, has a chance to be really, really good. Probably, you know, top eight team, top five team, but um, it didn't start off like that, man. It was rough. I've had to have tough conversations with guys. Like I was literally, I can remember Mac Brown and Brable having tough conversations with me. I'm having tough conversations with gamers and they're literally <laughs> eyes are watering because it's that important to them. Right. Um, yeah, it's the same process, man. Uh, being, I'm not the GM. One of our owners is, uh, but I'm in. But I'm still. We're all. We're, we're. It's all hands on deck when it's only three people, right? So, um, yeah. You, you. I wish you could see it and feel it. It's. It's passionate, man. So wait a second. What does a What does a disgruntled gamer look like? Is he somebody who's just uh, self-handling all over the place uh, in the middle of competition? So check this out. Disgruntled gamer would be a guy that we playing. We know we play in a competition, right? We want to watch. We watch film after we play just like traditional sports and every time you call him out it's like oh that was his fault or mm. coach nah nah we, we should we should do this like it's that that accountability factor i've noticed is one of the most important things in team building just because your other teammates are looking at you like man this guy this guy he 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 thinks it's all about him right like you never want to give off that persona and uh yeah it's been you got to be in it to experience it, but it's, it's literally the same, literally the same thing as being on an NFL team. <clears throat> wow. So I wanted to uh, do a little bit of internet fact check, uh, fact check with you, Kenny, because anywhere from 95 to 5% of uh, what you read on the internet is complete BS, but I'm seeing on your Wikipedia page that you took a, a pretty epiphanous trip to Kenya. I think it was yeah. back in 2016 with Alex Okafor. Is that the yeah. case? And if so, uh, what still resonates with you about that trip all these years later? Man, so we met my, one of my best friends, Michael Hobbs, um, former you know, pro New Zealand rugby player, one of my best friends. He was already out there doing a trip, kind of like a mission trip, right? Um, but actually, he's so hardcore. He's staying in the Kibera slums probably the, mo the poorest um, place on earth, but he's staying with the host family, um, you know, bucket showers, no water, no clean water, really. Uh, he invited us out. He's like, hey, man, like you and Alex should come out and experience this. It's life-changing. Um, and he had started this foundation, this project called the Blessed Hope Project. Um, so they were tearing down a school in Kibera um, where all the kids went. The only way they got to eat during the day was going to this school, um, but they were going to tear it down and no longer have it. Um, no, their, their food supply be gone. So me, you know, Michael, AO got together and said, we're going to build another school. Um, so we ended up, you know, fast, fast tracking. I, I go out there, I visit, um, I'm, I'm playing soccer with the kids, you know, we're teaching in schools. I mean, they're teaching me some things cause these kids grew up. I mean, it's just, we're blessed to be here in America, like America, like we, you truly are because people are going through things that are unimaginable, but, um, Fast track, we, we raised the funds. You know, I put $100,000 of my own money in it just to, just to kind of show a statement. When I'm asking other people for money, um, they all, a lot of times they want to know, what would what, well, you put in, right? So I immediately put my own money in. You know, we did some fundraising things uh, two years ago with David Mulugeta, my agent, top agent in, in the world um, at, a, at, the, at the bowling alley, had all his athletes there. We raised some money for that. But 
we built the school, me and Michael Hobbs and Alex by ourselves, um, ended up costing, you know, $500,000 for the whole, the whole build after raising, uh, the funds to charity. And, uh, yeah, so right now I know there's a full functioning school and the plan is the next plan is to kind of get a sports Academy going for those kids, because right now they're playing soccer barefoot on like a dirt rocky field. Right. We want to get even a slab of turf out there would be, I mean, it would change their lives. So. Um, it's been a great, pro- it's, it's, it's been a blessing, um, taking care of them. We actually sent them the Lion King when it came out. Um, I think it was, was it last year, two years ago, maybe the live it's action a- with Beyonce. No, no, like the actual, was it live action? The new one. Yeah. The Beyonce, right. With the new, the, with the new cartoon, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It came back out. Um, we sent the whole school. I mean, obviously it doesn't matter about the dollar amount, but things like that, those kids will remember a lifetime. And I was glad, I'm glad I got to be a part of it. You know, we're still connected. You know, they write letters. Their teacher um, writes letters to Michael Hobbs all the time. So it's, I haven't really spoke publicly about it a lot. I kind of just did it on my own. I know a lot of times with charity stuff, you, you reach out to everybody. You want to be on social media as much as, or not, you want to be in the media as much as possible. That way you can find more charitable donations. But um, we didn't do it that way. And in the future, we probably will. We want to get people involved because people want to help. So. Yeah, that's that's an interesting balance to have to strike because you don't want to be braggadocious about it. There's a certain no. modesty that comes into play if what you're doing is sincere. You're not doing it for the accolades necessarily, but it does get to a point also, especially if you're able to get a really nice boost like you guys obviously have initially that yeah. you're do, doing it to raise awareness and say, look, this is this is what we were able to do on our own. We get that much more help. We can help out that many more kids. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, I, I think the first project for me and Michael was let's just do this and kind of prove to everybody the model and like, hey, we did this without hiring a big, you know, charity foundation company like a lot of people, a lot of athletes do, right? They mm-hmm. they they hired a, a charity company and then they have NFL films out there and they have ESPN and they have NFL Network. They tell them to all come, film me, film me. And there's nothing wrong with that. I just didn't go about it that way. And when guys like you, you know, look look stuff on the internet and ask about it, then I'll explain it. But I didn't really go on like a, a tour across the country saying like, help, 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 which I, I, I think in the future now, though, now that I've shown an example of what we can do on our own, I, like you said, it's a good pitch to the big companies that, hey, with a little bit of help, we could probably do something incredible, right? Well, I love the aspirations for starting that sports academy. Sports has obviously helped you to live your best life, Kenny, but why is sports so important for kids to participate in growing up? You just learn so many things from sports, team building, you know, being a team player, accountability, character, um, keeps you off the streets for kids that, you know, live in bad areas, you know, bad areas. Um, Being in New Orleans, right? Like uh, when I got drafted, like those kids without football, basketball, baseball, like there's just no, like you just don't want your kids doing anything outside of that. That's just what, that's just is what it is. Right. for, obviously for me it changed my life financially there's there you know there's there's opportunities there but more than anything just the life lessons it teaches you in sports are probably the most important um coach Akina, everybody knows him mm-hmm. he probably taught me how to be a man more than a great football player he was literally my dad passed away when i was 15 so coach Akina was like the first time i had been around somebody i felt like was legitimate like father figure um and he taught me more lessons about, you know, being a man than being a great football player. So I think the coaching in sports, too, changes kids' lives. Not just the sports in general, but those, those individuals that touch, you know, certain lives. 
and impact them in a way that they don't even know, right? They don't even, the coaches sometimes don't even understand. Is one of those lessons that uh, Coach Akina taught you top of mind right now? I'm curious. You said what? Is one of those lessons that Coach Akina taught you about being a, a man top of mind right right now? I'm uh, interested I mean, to hear specific. It was, just, it was just like my freshman year, me and Marcus Davis. And my, some people don't even remember the name. We all came in. And, I had a top class. Man. I, had the, I was with Garrett Gilbert. Um, I mean, I, obviously that stuff didn't pan out, but we had a five-star class, right? We had and That was that 2009 our, class, right? Yeah, Mason Walters, Garrett Porter, Peyton Kelly, Alex Oker was a five-star. I mean, everybody was five stars but me, really. Um, I didn't get my stars up until Texas offered me like, oh man, this kid might be all right. But um, <laughs> funny how I'm a knucklehead. I'm a small town kid from Brownwood, Texas, going to Austin, Texas. I mean, I know Austin is not Chicago or LA, but it's it's a lot bigger than a twenty thousand everybody knows everybody type of town. Um, right. You know, I was going out. Big Street was my best friend, <laughs> and Coach Akina just like sat me down. Was like, you have an opportunity to be as good as you want to be, but right now you're you're nothing but a waste of tape and ice. I was like, Damn. all right. Like straight up, like he's like, you're gonna, and honestly, um, it came down to me and Marcus Davis because he, he said, one of y'all got to go, and obviously, um, he saw potential in me. He knew I was a smart kid, so Marcus ended up having having to leave the team, um, and he gave me a shot, and he just told me that like all my success isn't gonna come from anything I do on the field. It's gonna it's gonna be how I carry myself off of it, and from that point on. I, 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 nothing really happened, you know, right? Like I, um, I straightened up, became, you know, the person I need to be. That way I could go on to get drafted first round because those guys, if they're going to draft you high, they're, they're looking at your character, right? They're not going to, they're not going to take any, unless you're just the <laughs> something crazy, right? They're not going to take any chances on, on a top pick if there's any dirt, right? So yeah, he taught me a lot, man. He's probably the most impactful person thing in, in my life. <clears throat> And uh, the other reason why I love the idea of having kids compete in sports is because it teaches them how to win or lose, yep. how to win like champions, which is mm -hmm. to not be braggadocious or gloat about it. And to learn that losing is an important part of the process, more important than winning, obviously, even though winning obviously feels better. Um, but losing is where you learn some of the most valuable lessons and understand how to get better as a participant and as a human, too. Yeah, I mean, right now. My main thing is coaching. I'm coaching my son's flag football team. We end up winning. We just won Worlds recently. We're the best um, an under eight flag football team in the world. Under um, eight? Yeah, U8. U8. We just won. Okay. We went to Tampa. The, the best team in the country used to be Hawaii, 808. We blew them out by like four touchdowns. I, this is my first year with the team. I'm coaching defense, hoping on offense. Um, yeah, my son's team is, they're phenomenal, right? We got baby Gronk. I don't know if you ever heard of him. Madden oh, okay. San Miguel, he's in Dallas. He's on our team. Um, Zane Hollywood um, is our quarterback. We're actually Bravo or some music series, play, uh, movie series plays hit us up and they want to film like a series, like a, like a, like a youth ballers, right? Um, wow. He literally just texts me. He's like, hey, can we use the collective so we can film some coaching and uh, player interviews? But, um, but yeah, like impacting those kids because you, there's a fine line to me between – you know, some parents are, it's okay to lose. It's not okay to lose. <laughs> like to me, like you got teaching kids how to be competitive and that will to win is so important early without it. You can't let it affect their, I don't know. It's kind of hard to explain, right? Because there's a fine line between a kid and you not wanting the kid to be soft versus he's being toxic. Right. Um, mm -hmm. For me, it's just helping to explain those kids, explaining to those kids that 
you can be as competitive as you want to be, but once the game is over, you can still be the best, you know, team player, right? You can, you don't have to brag. You don't have to do anything. But when the whistle, when it's whistle to whistle before the game ends, you can be a beast. You can be a, a madman. But as soon as it's over, it's like, hey, man, good game. I appreciate you. You see guys in the NFL all the time. They're screaming and cussing at each other, and they're competing. And then at the end of the game, they're like, hey, respect, man. Um, so teaching my son that because these kids want to dance. This, this, this new age group of just dancing after every touchdown. They're gritty and they're freaking all types of – I'm just like, man, you are learning this at an early, early age. I can only imagine what it's going to be when you're older. But um, trying to calm that down has been a challenge, I'll say, because social media has changed the world, man. They see Justin Jefferson gritty and my son scores a touchdown. He wants to gritty. And then, you know, hey, Moss, somebody, I start the kids start doing this. And I'm like, oh, man. Like, you know, it's just like they see, they see guys on TV do it that they look up to and, and they impact the youth. So aiming that, you know, that mentality to – keep it to keep it humble has been a challenge but it's been working yeah the gritty gritty has uh probably jumped the shark i actually tried my first gritty at a wedding a couple weeks back it See, everybody's work. just doing it man it doesn't matter who you are everybody's, everybody's <laughs> doing it and uh, i'm glad you mentioned the, the post-game handshakes because that's like a, a big conversation right now based on uh, i forget what the incident was a couple weeks ago but Oh, it was like a fight in college basketball involving Juwan Howard. And now everybody's like, get rid of the post-game handshake. I'm like, no, the post-game handshake is a great thing. It allows you to kind of calm whatever animosity that you felt yeah. uh, during the confines of the game itself. And, you know, win or lose, tell the other dude, hey, hard-fought battle there, man. Respect. Yeah, they got to keep that. Just because, like, I just feel like the, in the history of sports, it's always been cool to see somebody literally, in football at least, want to kill the person across from them. And then as soon as the game ends, it's like, hey, bro, good game, bro. All that stuff I said didn't even matter. You know, like it's like because in the NFL, it's nuts. Dudes will be acting like they literally want to commit murder on the field. And then as soon as the game ends, it's like, oh, no hard feelings, bro. That was a great game. So and just the being able to control those type of emotions to me is so sacred. You got to keep the you got to keep the handshakes, man. Um, Juan Howard, he has to control himself. I don't know what was said or what happened, the details, but he, can't, he got mad. It might have been something bad. Who knows? Um, but you never can you cannot be you cannot be a head coach trying to slap at a, an assistant coach but I felt the slap. same way when I saw Tom Herman we was the coach at Texas he was headbutting for uh, helmeted players before the Baylor game a game that they actually lost it's like dude let your strength and conditioning coach be that guy you cannot be headbutting your own helmeted players I think with him it's like hey if the head coach is doing it I he wanted to show how passionate he was I I get the intent like it didn't work out right but yeah, you can't be headbutting. It just doesn't look good, right? You know, the player's mom's probably in the, in the stands thinking like, oh, my God, what has he got my baby doing? But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I get the intent. He wanted to show that, hey, I'm the head coach and I'll headbutt a player. Like, let, let's go to war, right? But, yeah, crazy stuff happens all the time, man. You saw Bruce Arians this past season slap a veteran in the back of the head. Did you see that? It was yeah. like VB. That guy was like a seven- or eight-year veteran. He slapped him in the back of the head because he was about to commit a penalty. It's so disrespectful, but you get that in the league, man. Some, some stuff is not shown because it's at practice, but never happened to me. I, w I wasn't the one, right? So you oh guys, so you never know. Yeah, no question. And I, I guess that physicality does exist. I mean, you obviously know better than I do, especially behind the scenes, but I'd like to think that we are starting to evolve away from that, that, that this, are. this low level of physical abuse is not constructive in any way, shape, or form. And if anything, probably goes against whatever it is that you're trying to do. Yeah, it's. That game of 
knocking people out and big hits, it's over, man. Like, honestly, like me fading out a little bit right the, at the time I am, like, it's probably perfect for me because when I first got in the league, I literally would throw my face into people. Like, I would have, I probably would have had like five, 10 targeting uh, rules my, my rookie year that didn't get called because they didn't change, they hadn't changed the rules yet. But then by like 2014, 2015, it started evolving and guys, you got to go for the pick now. It's hard on defenders, man, because, you know, the offense wants, uh, the NFL to look at like like low tackles, right? Like blowing the knees out. Well, what else are you gonna do when a guy's runs four four two fifty running at you like a AJ Dillon did me in the playoffs, and he has the quads bigger than Saquon. Like his quads are the size of my whole body. Like mm-hmm. yes, I'm gonna hit him in his knees. If I don't, I'm gonna end up on a stretcher, right? Like yeah, so it's serious. The the game is built for offense, right? All the penalties. Sorry about that. All the penalties. Um, all the rule changes. It's all meant score more touchdowns, make games more exciting, which equals what? More money. That's it. I, and everybody knows. I think everybody knows that, too. So on defense, you just got to play through it um, and get picks, get interceptions. That's my advice to the, the up-and-coming DBs of the world. <laughs> Dude, don't even get me started on the, uh, the virtue signaling going on in the league right now with Calvin Ridley as the league and everybody talking about it continues to profiteer on gambling. The on guy gambling, man. out for the year – Puts $1,500 down. He bet on the Falcons to win, which I think is another level people aren't talking about enough. And he's suspended for a year. I'll say this. There's probably so many coaches in in front office people that gamble that nobody knows about. I know you can't tell me that those thousands of faculty people in the NFL aren't gambling. I know they are. Like, I just know for like, it's, it's ridiculous. We make the, the NFL makes billions of dollars off gambling. And he loses, you know, Calvin really was about to get paid too. Like he was, I mean, he lost 11 million, but he's a good receiver. So he, he, he might've lost 80 million, hundred million. Who knows? Um, yeah, it was, it's tough because I, I get it. Protect the integrity of the game. But at the same time, why are you, then why are we partnered with a, a gamble? Why are we partnered with gambling companies then? If we're, you know, it's just. Why are you allowing live betting inside, uh, inside arenas and stadiums now? Like, you know, you have to evolve everything if you're really going to start to go there, which they clearly made a conscious decision a few years ago, as did ESPN and the major broadcasters and the radio station I work for makes ad dollars on gambling. I mean, gambling is a part of the sport at this point. So maybe yeah. we need to rethink what guys are allowed or not allowed to do in the name of that uh, integrity of the game that you're talking yeah. about. I just think that do, you, do, do I think you should bet on your own games and stuff? Probably not. but. If it happens, you get caught. The punishment shouldn't be a year is what I'm saying. Like, if somebody can literally beat their wife and get charged with decent violence and only get four games, right. he's going to get a year for a $1,500 bet? A dude can, like, I don't even know, dude, like, commit the craziest crime and still make it back before Calvin Ridley's going to make it back. So, like, Ray Rice initially got suspended for two games before that videotape came out. So there's uh, yeah, wild like, inconsistencies with regards to uh, to what they supposedly think is right and wrong. Yeah, it shouldn't be. I mean, I just feel bad for him because that's like, he'll be back because he's young enough. But at the same time, though, like, it's just they got to balance the scale on the, p- the penalties and the punishment that's been given out versus certain things you do. I mean, that. You got to weigh in. Like you said, he bet on the Falcons to win. He's not even there playing. It'd be different if, if you're betting and then going into it, like you're betting right before a game in your locker and then going to play the game. Cause then there's that, oh, is he throwing or is he, you know, is he, is he like changing the game somehow by himself? Cause Calvin could do that as a receiver is his caliber. 
He wasn't even there. That, that should they should take that into account on the punishment. Like he was away from the team, right? Like I don't even like he couldn't affect the game at all. So completely agreed. And by the way, anybody who's who's betting eighteen parlays is asking to throw their money away too. And I know he had a three and a five team as well. But is that what he did? He he probably doesn't even know how to bet. Like he like you know like he probably just thought it was. He probably didn't even know that like since he technically wasn't on the team at the time that he would get in trouble. And I don't know. That's it part was, of it. I mean, he, he was doing it digitally. He was doing it through DraftKings or something. So he leaves. He's the doing it legit. He's not hiding anything. Like everybody else is using bookies, right? Exactly. Like Exactly. Yeah, that's his mistake is trying to be above board with all of this, which I think speaks to the need. It's much like the NIL thing. Like enough of that has been going on for, for long enough that it's like, look, let's bring this above board. So guys can get their true money and maybe some other dudes can actually get paid as well because there is a much larger percentage of dudes at the college level yeah. that never even takes a whiff of professional football yeah those guys uh are are deserving of, of some of that cash too and we finally now have a system in place that's uh, helping out with that one as well it's gonna be game changing i partnered with nick julie because we're, we're doing a fund um you know for the texas guys but um yeah, I can only imagine, like, cause I, I didn't have much money growing up. My mom dropped me off. I think she dropped me off like $20 when I first got to UT. I was like, good luck. Um, but I can only imagine by the time I got, because I was going to be probably a first-round pick my junior year. I came back from my senior year. So the, the sponsorship dollars or, you know, NIL money I could have got was probably going to be sizable, especially at a school like Texas, where I think I was the last first-round DB. I think it's been like eight, eight years now, nine years now. Um, I'm sure there was a lot of people that I could have like, you know, received money from that would have helped me out, helped me out, helped my family out. So, I mean, these NCAA was 10 years behind on that thing. Like they stopped making the NCAA game, the best video game ever made oh. just because they didn't want to pay. They knew they were going to have to pay players eventually. That's why they did it. Right. Like they can't, they didn't want to have to pay every single person in college. So they're like, you know what? We're going to get, instead of losing our money, we're going to get rid of the game altogether. And EA the whole time was like, look, we will be happy to pay these guys. We love this game. It makes us a lot of money. We want to be able to give these guys some, uh, some cash in return. And NCAA just is like, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I remember getting a check from EA or NC, something. It was because after I had been on the game for four years, and depending on what type of player you were, you got it wasn't, it wasn't the amount that my likeness was worth. I tell you that. It, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, being an impact player in NCAA and everybody like you could, you could argue the value in that, especially what they're making is in the billions. Right. So it's just, I don't know. Hopefully that game comes back because that game was, it's the best, man. I don't know if you get to play it, ever got to play it, but the best well, game. I, my, my favorite year, it got too complex for me and I wasn't playing nearly as many games once I got into my thirties, but my favorite year was the 2003 version, I believe. So yeah, I probably owe Vince Young, and uh, some of the dudes on that 2004 team, a lot. Of oh my god! For That's how much we I won with them. Michigan, maybe we went. We won the yeah. we Michigan in the Rose Bowl, or right. we went to back to the Rose Bowl. Yep. Um. Yeah, I think that game. It was like those. I don't know who was on the cover, but it was probably somebody for either one of our guys or Ohio State had like Ted Ginn, Troy Smith. Remember those guys? Um, yep. playing those teams, Antonio Holmes, just speed on the field. I remember Texas going against Ohio State. Back when I was a kid, watching that and just being like, I'm going to Texas one day. Watching Lima Sweet catch that ball in the back of the end zone. Like, I just remember all these plays. And that's, that's like the reason why I wanted to go to Texas, watching those guys 
as a young kid sitting there with my dad. We just got to create more of those memories so we can get more recruits now, right? Like there's probably kids that watch me play. They were like, man, I want to go to Texas and be like Kenny one day. Well, I wanted to be like Michael Huff, Michael Griffin, you know, like I, I wanted to be just like those guys, uh, Aaron Ross. I mean, it was just ridiculous how, many, how much talent we had, right? Um, so, yeah, we just got to, we got to create that same feeling, same vibe for the youth coming up. So they, they automatically want to come to Texas. I didn't even need to be recruited. I was going because VY went there, right? So you got to create that type of culture again. That's cool that that uh, 2005 game in Columbus is was the uh, the biggest selling point for you. Are, are you confident? I'm, I'm assuming you're still watching Texas football nowadays. Are you confident that Steve Sarkeesian can be the guy to lead yeah. us back to that promised land? Yeah, I just think – I think – the, the, the downfall of Texas has been quarterback. Let's just be honest right here. To be yeah. good in college, you have to have a good – I don't even care if your O-line's good, D-line, special teams coordinator. I don't care who it is. If I'm a college team, if you put me as the athletic director of a college program, I am going to go find the best quarterback in the country every year, and we'll figure the rest out after that. The downfall of us is quarterback. I, I was talking to Alex. I was talking to Alex. We offer Garrett Gilbert, right? He doesn't end up panning out. What we don't offer, what we don't offer is Robert Griffin, Andrew. Like you already know the list, right? Andrew Love, yeah. Baker Mayfield. I know Johnny. Johnny's one of my good friends, Menzel. He was begging to come to Texas. Um, yeah. I remember like being at Fiji frat parties, and Johnny's there. Obviously, you know Johnny's background, great yeah. dude. But he's like, man, they just won't offer me. I'm just like, and then he wins the Heisman. I think we haven't like we didn't offer. There's been like three or four Heisman winners, I think that would have went to Texas, but we just didn't even recruit him. So maybe this Quinn Ayers kid, like I, I've heard the hype. I've seen him play. I like the golden mullet. I like the swag about him. Big kid, big arm, throwing the ball sidearm. That's the new thing now. I mean, if he plays well, we're going to be good. If he doesn't play well, we're not going to be good. <laughs> like that's all there is to it. Oh. He does. He does operate in a, an effortless manner. It's, it's you hate to put a label on a guy like this, but it, it's very reminiscent of Aaron Rodgers. To watch oh, how easy he makes that's, everything. That's look. fine. I'll take Aaron. I'll take the great one of the greatest of all time. Protects the ball, swagger. I mean, I know he gets a bad rap sometimes of like, you know how he, he carries himself. But if we can have Aaron Rodgers, like, hey, after what we've been through, I'll take it. <laughs> like right, like <laughs> Texas has to. The world is better when Texas is good. I think our rivals would say that. Like, it's sad to see. Like, you should see how it is in my in the locker rooms when I was playing, trying to bet bet on Texas with my teammates against Oklahoma every year, and we're getting beat. You know what I'm saying? We we snuck it in a couple of times. Yeah, I, I feel like we got lucky. Like, some, for some reason, we played always good against the, the Red River Shootout, but um, it's been rough the last eight years trying to like bet against other college teams with my teammates so Dude, you're, you're probably thinking that uh well you may have been in this game that case mccoy game where texas was blown like out by like 56 <laughs> well there was i think there was a game the next year though where texas was double digit dogs and they won it was some crazy i was like ain't no way they won like, yeah yeah like i was I, I had to go to a wedding so i uh I, I wasn't planning on watching the whole game i'm like all right oklahoma's gonna beat us by 50 again and then I ended up by 50 when I was there. It was like 56 to 17. Like I actually played a good game, but we didn't have the manpower to like those dudes were just man, it was it wasn't close. I'd say Kenny Stills, I'm trying to think who else the Sterling Shepard. I forgot even the quarterback was. They brought the belt dozer in. Huh? You said what? Uh was it Bradford? No, who was the quarterback right after Bradford? I don't think they made it to the league or anything. Okay. 
Was it was it Jones? Who was the dude? Landry? No. Oh. You know who I'm talking about. You know who I'm talking about. I do. It being like a third round pick or something, fourth round pick didn't didn't pan out. Something it may Jones. have been it may have been Landry Jones where he Landry uh, Jones stuck, stuck with the Steelers for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, him. But he was good in college, right? That system with you know Lincoln Riley calling it, and then Bob Stoops the head coach, like ridiculous. Um, but yeah, we got blown out, and then like the next year, a worse team. I'd argue a worse Texas team ended up beating them. <laughs> like, I was confused. <laughs> Yeah. All right. All right. Well, uh, Kenny, I've, uh, I've taken up more of your time than I promised. So, uh, you're thank good, you brother. So, so much for everything. He is Kenny Vaccaro, former all American safety at the university of Texas, eight year NFL vet, as well as the co-founder and CEO of G one, AKA gamers first Austin's first esports organization. He's also taking part in an intriguing panel discussion at South by Southwest this year titled gamers, the new icons and pop of pop culture and fashion. It's this Saturday, March 12th from 1130 to 1230 Central Time. Go to sxsw.com to find out more. Kenny, thank you so much for the time today, and uh, best of luck with all these things that you have going on in your life right now. Hey, man, I appreciate it. I enjoy talking, man. This was fun. <laughs> yeah, let's do it again. No doubt. Stay tuned for more conversations from South by Southwest 2022. That will include some Zoom chats, in-person chats, and red carpet coverage as well. And you can go to booksonpod.com to access all of those interviews. Should be a button bar at the top of the page that says SXSW 2022. Thanks to Gentleman Jesus for the intro and outro music. Hear more of his work at GentlemanJesus.com. Thanks to you for hanging out. You can watch, listen, learn, and connect for free at booksonpod.com. For Books on Pod, I'm Trey Elling. Good day.